everyone. Welcome to the Roto-Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie TPFL. It's Monday. It's December 7th. It's 2020. And we are here to review week 13 of fantasy football. The fantasy football land still has three games this week, uh, but uh, we're going to review the main slate on DraftKings using results DB here at Roto-Grinders. And I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy, Jordan Cooper. Blenderhead, how are you doing, my friend? It could have been worse. It could have been worse. I won enough of my head-to-heads that that it could have been worse. Uh, I I I went I went uh, up heavy on a game that didn't work out and uh, didn't have enough Darren Waller, which I and I had a lot of Darren Waller, but he was paired with Frank Gore, and uh, and Ty and what Ty Johnson he goes out he rushes twenty two for a hundred plus with a touchdown he has twenty two fantasy points at obviously no ownership. And I'm like, that could have been Frank Gore if he didn't get concussed on the second play of the game. Yeah, I had a lot of Waller with um, Perryman. So I'm with you. Like, I had some Gore, too. Um, I had more Waller than expected when I was building, like, looking through my builds and stuff. But I didn't have I didn't have any Crowder. And, And like, that's just a that's a Stevie mistake because I was really high on Crowder last week and I should have played him for the same reasons um, this week. But, you know, that's that's what we do this and we go back and we look at stuff. We always start with cash games and we always start with our cash lineups. Um, we were we didn't really chat before we got started. We never really do on this show because we like to talk about it on the show. But I'm guessing that we were really similar this week. Um, I feel like my quarterback is not going to even be close to your quarterback. Um, and I don't even think you're going to mention my quarterback when you go through the cash quarterbacks. Um, so Blender, what do you got for me this week in cash? Um, just kind of go over your build and kind of go over what you were thinking of going into the week. Okay. Well, I'll go over from results DB looking at the, the double ups, uh, the two fifty, the 125 and the $5 double up. And then I'll explain my lineup because I think yeah, context is needed for why I make the decisions that I did. So uh, at quarterback, most likely quarterback was kind of up in the air. Uh, the chalk was <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers at, at 6,800. I think that was fine. I didn't think it was necessary. I think you could have played a ton of quarterbacks. You could have played Aaron Rodgers. You could have played Mitchell. If you were going up, you could have played uh, Russell Wilson or you could have played Deshaun Watson. I, I get it. Uh, if you in the middle range, played Aaron Rodgers. I understand if he played Taysom Hill. He's a rushing quarterback. Why not? You need the floor in cash games. I get it. Uh, if you went down, if you played Trubisky, I think that's okay. If you played Goff instead, if you played Cousins, kind of been like, I, I think quarterback, like once you got in those ranges, like if you were in that mid-six range, like it was going to probably be Aaron Rodgers. And if you were up at the top range, it was probably going to be Deshaun Watson. And if you were in the low range, then if you, if you played Derek Carr, like, I don't think you're nuts. I mean, I, I wouldn't have ranked him on uh, compared to Trubisky or Goff, but like, I don't, I don't think you're nuts for doing that in cash games. Obviously, like, you don't care that much about correlation. Like, obviously, Stevie, you, you play a, like a main lineup, so maybe you care about correlation when it comes to that. But if it not caring about correlation, like, that's kind of what you did. Running back was uh, the most interesting position on the slate. Uh, Because we had a lot of running backs that you could have used. And depending on your construction, it determined which ones you did. Uh, I think we had three running backs in the 5K range 
that were that were available that were good values. David Montgomery, Miles Gaskin, and Devontae Booker. Uh, I think the correct I I used three of I used all three of them, uh, which which was viable. I think using two of them was if you didn't use two of them, you, you probably did something wrong. Uh, in my opinion, you're pro- probably uh, Montgomery and Gaskin and Booker kind of like a close third. Uh, then if you paid up, you play, you played Dalvin cook. You didn't play Derek Henry uh, at the $300 difference. You play the guy that obviously in the more condensed offense and actually gets targets out of the backfield. Uh, if you were in that mid range, a lot of people played Eckler. I was, I, I didn't agree with that. If I was going to uh, play a seven K running back, it would have been James Robinson but I wasn't even in that build. Like I was, I wasn't making a build. I was making a build either. I was going to play cook or I was going to play the three, five, five K running backs. Uh, outside of that, like no one else should have hit your, your cash lineup. I don't think you, you're, you're, I don't think you're playing a Chubb or a Carson or a Miles Sanders or a Jonathan Taylor or an Aaron Jones. I don't think you're playing any of those guys for, for cash games at least. And then at the wide receiver slot, uh, wide receiver was very condensed. I, I don't, I don't, there was not much wide receiver value this slate. Uh, you most definitely were putting in Brandon cooks in your lineup uh, with, with Will Fuller out. And I mean, even if Will Fuller was in Brandon cooks, probably a good play at 5,600. Anyway, uh, if you were, you could have played Kiki QT if you were paying down, he was like the wide receiver value, quote unquote, if you played Mims, Going down at 4,100, I don't think you're nuts. I didn't. Uh, if you're going up, you played Devontae Adams. If you were in that mid-range, you probably played a wide receiver from the Rams, either Cup or Woods. I understand Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson or uh, Michael Thomas in that kind of like six, high 6K, 7K range. Same for Thielen and Jefferson. If you were in that range and you needed a guy in that in, over there, like none of those, I wasn't in that build type. So I didn't play any of those guys. I played Cup over Woods. Uh, but if you play Jefferson or Thielen or Robinson or Thomas, like I don't, I don't think you're nuts for that either. Outside of that, like does that that that's what your wide receiver pool should have been. At tight end, if you were paying down, you're playing Anthony Ferkser. He bailed us out at the last drive because it it, it it was going to be pretty weak going into that. He was he was not even on the field a lot of the time. Uh, if you wanted to play Jordan Aikens instead of Anthony Ferkser for 400 more, I get it. Uh, outside of that, like you, then you just paid up for Waller, but I don't think that was the, the, the correct build. And then at defense, if uh, the chalk was the Seahawks, which I get against the Giants, uh, if you paid down, probably played the Jets or the Falcons. If you didn't have enough money for the Seahawks, I could understand the Bears, even the Chargers to some extent I get, but it's defense. So, you know, whatever it is, it is. But in my lineup, my lineup uh, scored 150.74. Uh, I, I won more than half of my head-to-heads, and I cashed in a bunch of my higher stakes double-ups, but uh, not enough to be profitable. Like that, this lineup, it, I didn't lose it all. That's why I said it's, uh, it's, it's, it could have been worse. Uh, so I had Deshaun Watson at quarterback. My running backs were Gaskin, Burker, and Montgomery. My wide receivers were Adams, Cup, and Cooks, tight end Ferkser, Falcons defense. Now, let me explain the, the thought process, why I picked those certain players in that type of build. Uh, I thought with the 5K running backs, having enough expected volume in favored matchups, 
They're favored. They have higher totals. That I prioritize them over a Dalvin Cook, paying up for Dalvin Cook. Wide receiver was the weak position on the slate. So I was more inclined to try to get guaranteed points at wide receiver more than running back. So that's why looking at the 7K range running backs uh, and the, and Dalvin Cook, like if I could just plug in Gaskin, Booker, and Montgomery, and then I could figure it out from there. Uh, then it's a matter of, do I play Rodgers? Do I play like an Allen Robinson? Do I, what, what, do I pay up for the Seahawks? And I knew Cutie was going to be popular. And I knew Rogers was going to be popular. Okay. Uh, if I was going to play a build like this without QT, because I don't need QT if I'm playing the three 5K running backs. So if I'm going to play, not going to play QT and I'm going to pay up for Adams and I know Rogers is chalk. That means having Adams in my lineup is a blocker. Meaning if Rogers has a good game, Adams probably has a good game also. And most of the Rogers lineups that I was facing with QT because they typically had Eckler or Cook in it. So they didn't have Devontae Adams. So I knew that worst case scenario, if, if Rogers throws four touchdowns, most likely Adams has two of them. So I mitigate his points and I actually get more points because wide receivers score more points because of PPR scoring. And then I thought the same thing with QT and Watson that I have the money. I'll pay, if I'm going to pay up at quarterback and not have QT in my lineup, well, I'll have Watson because if QT catches a bomb, a touchdown, I mitigate his ownership with having Watson in my lineup. Obviously, QT gets more points than Watson, kind of like the reverse of the Rodgers-Adams scenario, but at least I'm reducing my variance. Like in GPPs, you're looking to increase your variance. You want correlation. You want you know things like that to happen. In cash games where you, as long as I'm over the line, I'm good. Like I want to reduce the variance in my lineup. So like I didn't want to play Watson, QT, and Cooks in my lineup together. I didn't want to play Rodgers and Adams in my lineup together because if the Packers fail, my lineup fails. If the Texans fail, my lineup fails. So in making those choices, I mean, the first main choice was playing the three 5K running backs together. If I didn't do that, then I wouldn't have had to make that assessment. I would have played QT. I would have played Rodgers. I would have played the Seahawks defense, something like that. But that's the decision. Like I gave up about one and a half points in median in order to build the lineup where uh, I couldn't, uh, that I'm playing players that are correlated to chalk pieces to decrease the variance of, in the case where one of those chalk pieces, you know, blows up, that I'm still getting enough of their points through other players that I'm not going to get buried. Yeah, I, I think I think your lineup made a ton of sense. Um, I wasn't really high on Booker this week, but I, I thought if you're going to play all three of them, it doesn't matter. But I, I don't know where you ended up as far as like Montgomery and Gaskin over Booker in tournaments or anything like that. But Booker was my least favorite of the three 5K running backs for sure. Um, like as bad as the Jets have been this year, their, their run defense is actually their DVOA has been decent. So like I, I was very hesitant on Booker and he had opportunities to get there too. Like he had multiple opportunities to get there. Um, I agree with you. If you're paying up a running back, it was Dalvin cook, um, not Derrick Henry. And like in tournaments, it's way different. And we'll get to that in a minute. But so my lineup scored 146.6. Um, I won some three mans. I got crushed in double ups um, and I got crushed in single entry tournaments because it was not even close this week. So um, luckily for me, I had a really good FanDuel lineup. So 
I lost, but I didn't lose as much as I probably should have this week. Um, so I played Cam Newton at quarterback. Um, I don't know why a lot of people didn't play more Cam. Like I, I get like the pricing on Rogers, and I get in cash games, but like even in tournaments, Cam was pretty low on this week. I was very high on that New England game. And like we didn't even get a second half and Cam still put up 23.5. So um so I went Robinson, Eckler, Montgomery at running back this week. Um I went with a very different build than a lot of people. Then I Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas as my wide receivers, um, which is I don't think is too crazy. I played Frickster. And then like I had the money for the Bears defense. Obviously that did not work out, but defense doesn't matter. Like if you look at like what everybody played in cash and like it, it if if I play the Seahawks, I I cash in some double ups cuz I was only like 3 or 4 points, but I I like the Bears defense against Detroit and like I'm not even second guessing it because it was defense. Um Eckler hurt, that game script hurt overall. Um but like Jordan, like looking at my team, I'm not mad about any of the decisions that I made. I feel like I got enough floor and ceiling throughout my team for a team that I like to build. Like I played Cam by himself. I think he's one of the quarterbacks in the league that you can play by himself at any time. And I ran it back with Eckler on the other side. And then like, I still got some of the chalk pieces in there with cup and Montgomery and cooks, but I was able to get different with like Robinson and Michael Thomas at seven K was like ridiculously low owned. And like, even in, even in the game that he doesn't score a touchdown, it's like, you know, Michael Thomas is going to have eight to 10 catches. So um, I don't think my lineup was crazy. I liked the, my build and I like the fact that I didn't play Booker. <laughs> Yeah, you had a very balanced build. I mean, you had a different very, build because yeah. you weren't going down to QT and you were only playing one of the 5K running backs. So, like, just by the nature of your construction, it's going to be different. And it still has a high floor. So I, yeah. I, I, I listen to that lineup and I go, yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, to me, the the the, the most frustrating player of the, the whole day was Miles Gaskin. He had six yeah. carries inside the five yard line. Oh my no gosh. I'm a Dolphins fan, dude. I watched that game. It was just like, get in there. And like, he had a carry from like the seven. He got down to like the two. And then and they, they gave him like, and they gave him, well, they gave him two, two more carries. It's just like my, the only decision that I was debating um, pre-lock was, do I play Falcons defense with Adams and I think it was Gaskin instead of Thomas and Eckler. So that was kind of like the three V three I was debating. I couldn't like, I was, I was really close. Like if I had taken um, Thomas and Eckler out to getting to Adams um, with Booker. And I'm glad I didn't do that. Like it wasn't like any, anything. No, it scored like, more points. Why wouldn't you? It actually scored what Eckler had 10 and yeah. Thomas had 22. Right. Right. Okay, so that's 32 points. Adams had 37 and Booker had six. So that's no, you no, your combo points. scored more. It was like, I no, I was like, I was like 300 bucks off of doing that combo, is what I was getting at. So, like, I, I wasn't able to make that combo work um, with the correlation of Montgomery and the Bears defense. So, like, I, I could have, if I had played the Falcons defense, I could have done the 3v3, but I knew this build as like more of a balance build was going to be enough to be different in single entries that 
I thought it had the floor for cash games too. And like I said, I won some three mans. It's just it wasn't it, it was four points off, three three point two points off of most double ups. So like that's the weeks you just go. All right, well, I was on the wrong side, and you move on to the next week. Right. I mean, I mean, my lineup had a lot of run bad. Also, Watson. You know, he he he's, has more than two hundred yards in the first half, and I'm like, okay, he'll he'll get the bonus. That doesn't happen. He fumbles <laughs> on the last uh, the in the red zone uh, in the last drive. You know, you know, Booker. Uh, the the Jets get up to a lead, so it kind of takes Booker out of the game. Cooks get Cooks gets a, a concussion. You know, at, at suppose I mean he had to go to the tent for the protocol for a quarter. Uh, I mean Gaskin, obviously, you know he he could Gaskin could have scored thirty points this slate, but but he didn't. And uh, and and I mean if we got bailed out with Ferkser, truthfully, I mean Ferkser had we like did. one catch. <laughs> we did right. I mean like, then he finally finally when the Titans are down by like four touchdowns. And it's like, oh, what, might, what we we might as well play uh, Ferkser. They were playing two tight end sets, and Ferkser wasn't even in. Yeah. So they were play. They were playing what? They were playing Pruitt and Swaim over him, and he was seventy one percent owned in double ups. Yeah, like you know, if, if you look through, so let's kind of sw- switch gears here a little bit and look more at like what the field did, and like in the High stakes stuff. If you look at the 25, the 100, and the 25, like he was over 62% in all those double ups. He was under 50% um, in the lower stakes. But like if you look at some of these plays in the lower stakes, it's not like big difference. It's like Tanyan got a lot more ownership in the lower stakes, but it was really spread out still. Like Rudolph, um, Goddard, Hawkinson, Gasecki by like one to 2% on all these guys. And like, I, I, I wouldn't have talked to you off of playing any tight end this week, really, because if you weren't going to pay up for Waller tight end is a tight end position. And, and like Ferkster, he, he made it so easy when John got ruled out 2,500 for a tight end in a, in a game that's supposed to be one of the highest scoring games on the weekend. And that, and it ended up being the highest scoring game on the weekend. Like we, we take that 10 out of 10 times in cash games. Right. I mean, I think, I think the point is, is not the, is not Ferkser himself. It's just a matter of tight end outside of Waller was, wasn't a, wasn't a worthwhile position to spend money on. So if you saved money there, whatever you landed on, I can't blame you for. So obviously Ferkshire was the minimum. So that's the most amount of money you could save by playing yep. 2,500 for him. But like I said, if you played Aikens or Tanyan or Rudolph or insert any, hey, just insert any pun tight end you want. Like yeah. it did, it, whichever one, you, if you saved money there, it was for the construction. Uh, and if you paid up, you played Waller. So the difference between the $3,500 range and a $2,500 tight end the thousand dollars for projection wise doesn't really give you anything. So like if you were prioritizing Tanyan over Ferkser for whatever reason, like I think that's wrong. But if if you filled out the rest of your lineup being like, well, I have this amount of money left for tight end and I'm good. I'm like, okay, go do it. But I mean, really, it's because I view it the same, I viewed it the same way as defense. Right? D I played the Falcons defense. Well, why didn't you play the Seahawks defense? Because why why do I need the thousand? What, what do I need the thousand dollars somewhere? I mean, like defense is defense. Who cares? I mean, 
wherever I land on. Of course, I played the Falcons at 2,400. Do you know what other defense was 2,400? The Jets. No, the Patriots. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> what? 30 points. <laughs> I know. But I, I mean, why I didn't wouldn't have... I play the Falcons against Taysom Hill versus playing the Patriots against Justin Herbert? So, I mean, uh, the Falcons rejected better. So, I mean, like at that point, well, I'm, like, I'm just going to play whatever whatever defense projects better at that price than go like, well, instead of playing the Falcons, I'm going to expect the Patriots to completely shut out uh, uh, Justin Herbert and get two touchdowns in the process. Like the Jets were in that range. Derek Carr was going to throw more. Like, I think they were viable. Detroit was in that range against Trubisky. Like, there was options in that range. It's just that I, I, what a New England game, man. Like, so, so tilting. Like, oh, I was so heavy on that game in tournaments. But, um, so I was, I went through the $25 dub, double up. Um, and I was looking at some of the teams like Waller in that double up was about 5% owned. So I was looking at some of the teams with Waller and a lot of the teams with Waller had both cooks and Kuti, um, like together. So like, that's how they freed it up. I guess they didn't like they, a lot of them had two cheap running backs with the two Houston, um, wide receiver and, and like, you can't even hate on that build. Like, I feel like there was what five or six viable cheap options um, between the positions this week that you could play. And if you ended up on like three or four of them, like you probably were close to a, 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 a solid build. And like, if you didn't want to pay down at tight end and you wanted to play Waller, like can't ever hate on that because there was so much value elsewhere. And like, would we be having the same conversation if he didn't put up 48 fantasy points? Probably not, but like, look at all the sharp people's lineups. Like, sharp cash players did not play Waller this week. And I, and I think that's the thing that you really got to look at here. Right. And the same thing that, like, a lot of sharp players played at least two of the 5K running backs. So, mm-hmm. like, two of the 5K running backs and Eckler. Two of the 5K running backs and Cook. Two of the 5K running backs and Robinson. I mean, like, it was – or all three of them. Like, or or mm-hmm. something like that. I didn't, I didn't see many builds. I mean, some played Cook, Eckler, and then one of them. But I, I, don't, I don't think that was the optimal build. I mean, you could, got bailed out with Beauty putting up a ceiling game. A lot of those lineups had two Houston wide receivers too. Right. Like yeah. a lot of those, which is fine. I, I, see, I had no problem with playing Cooks and Beauty together. It's just a matter of, like, do I need Beauty? Do I need Beauty to get up to Eckler? Like, no. Like what the difference between Eckler and Booker? I was like, like what? What am I paying? I, I think the thing about Eckler, people take these one-game sample sizes like they're they're ridiculous. He gets 14 targets in one game on his first day back with no Kalen Balaj in the in the rotation, and people are like, oh, that's that's who Austin Eckler is. It's like no, Austin Eckler is 60 percent of the snaps and. And he, he, he typically comes out a lot of times in the red zone. So, yes, he gets a lot of targets out of the backfield. I get it. But you're paying like 73, you're paying seven, over 7,000 for him when we have running backs that are going to be like 80 plus percent snap share that are on favored teams. So, like, I just didn't see a need to, to pay there. And I, I didn't go in with the expectation that Eckler is going to start catching 12 balls out of the backfield. So, with Kalen, Bel- I mean, people were tilting in the first quarter when the Kalen Bellage is coming into the game. And they're going, what's what's going on here? 
then Josh Kelly's getting snaps in the second quarter in the second half because they're down and pretty much, you know, they know they ain't gonna win. And people are acting like, no, no, this is a three-headed backfield. This is at least a two-headed backfield. So, like, that's why I look at James Robinson in that exact range and go, well, who's coming in for James Robinson? We saw what Ag- Agaba, I can never pronounce his last name, Dare, Agbunawale. <laughs> like, he, he started coming in, like, in the kind of the Chris Thompson role. But they force feed James Robinson. the. I mean, he gets 25 touches every week no matter what. And we're, and we're, still, we're still all stubborn because he plays for the Jaguars and they're always like a low implied total multi-touchdown underdog. That's like, well, how do we play James Robinson? His touchdown equity is so low. Like, but if he's going to get the ball 25 times, then, and in the, and not just 25 rushes, he's getting 25 with five targets. That's why people are laughing at Frank Gore. Like for, he was 4,400. I played a bunch of them in GPP and, if you played Frank Gorin cash at 4,400, based on it, he had a 62-yard rushing prop for 4,400. So, like, I know it's old man Gore, but, I mean, the Jets run the ball at one of the heaviest rates in the league, even though they they lose. Uh, and he does get two, three, four targets out of the backfield. If it wasn't for the fact that he got injured on the second play of the game, like, that could have easily worked out. So, like, when it comes to running backs... I, I care more about volume than I care about than than like does he get like high quality touches? Like I I don't want to have to rely on efficiency. Oh, this guy's only going to see twelve touches, and I hope he gets into the end zone in one of them, and I'm I'm paying sixty five hundred for him. Like I don't like those types of guys. I like the guys where I look at the box score and I see twenties. I see between targets and carries, I see twenty. How cheap can I get those? How how much do I have to spend on them? Like Dalvin Cooks touched the ball forty times, <laughs> just right in overtime. You you but that that's worth oh. paying ninety five hundred for. But he yes, also sir. ran bad as well, right? He he got stuffed on the goal line. He fumbled on the goal line. Dalvin Cook could have put up a forty point game. He ended up putting up twenty six. So it wasn't like ultimately necessary if you, if you didn't have him. That was I don't think there was any running back that was like necessary. Maybe Montgomery for his price. Maybe. I mean, I mean, to me, the, the necessary piece on the slate was Waller in the tight end slot because you only get one tight end slot. If you don't have the 48 points in your tight end slot, you know, I, I, I can't possibly see. I haven't checked to see if any GPP winners. I would I would be interested. I, I may look at that after after the show and uh, and, and see. Uh, what was the highest placing lineup in like the Millie that didn't have Waller and how many points behind? Because like the next scoring, if I go to tight end on this slate, I mean, tight end on the slate, like Gizicki had 23.8. Okay. So the difference, Stevie, the difference between the number one scoring tight end and the second highest scoring tight end was 25 points. Like you can't make that up elsewhere. That's like having an extra slot in your lineup. So I, I, I would... I would have to assume that the lineup, the first lineup in GPP in the, like the Millie or something that doesn't have Waller probably is the Patriots defense. Like that's or like Corey the only Davis. way that that could happen. Right. Corey Davis too. And Corey Day. Oh yeah. Corey Davis yeah. as well. I think if you I had know, all three. <clears throat> I know the guy me. that won the, the spy or guy or girl that won the spy did not have the Patriots defense. It had the Packers defense. Okay. Well, the spy is a single entry, you know, yeah. 4,000, 5,000. Still scored like 239 points from what I remember this morning. Like it had, that's still a high score. 
Yeah, it was it was Waller, it was T.Y. Hilton, it was Corey Davis. It was a very interesting, like um it was a onesie team. Like it, it was it was interesting because he played the person that won those I guess we'll get into tournaments now since we're starting to talk about it anyway. We're pretty much doing cash games anyway, but um the 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 winner of the spy, hundred dollar single entry, hundred K to first, had Phillip Rivers with T.Y. Hilton and no Houston players. Um so it was very very interesting. I, I just saw your face. I wanted to see your face. Like I, because yeah, because that's what I did. Like I made Rivers lineups to correlate with QT and 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 Cooks. But I mean, I purposely. I mean, like, 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 how do I pl- how do I play these Texans guys as one offs as chalk? It's like let me correlate them to Hilton, Pittman, Rivers. You know, play a Rivers stack, do something like that. So it seems really odd that. Like QT wouldn't be in that one because QT put up twenty five points for thirty five hundred. So as a value play, he was like one of the top on the slate. So it's kind of weird to see a spy lineup where it's just like, nope, I'm just going to single stack Rivers and Hilton against the and and not even have and the not- chalk side <laughs> on the other side. Yeah, like it had Corey Davis and Waller and Jefferson um, and Montgomery, but it was yeah, it's like it was so it was a Rivers correlated with Ty Hilton. And then it didn't have any other correlation um, whatsoever. Like, yeah. just if you pick right, I guess you're good. I mean, like that's it. Hey, there are plenty there are more lineups. When people look at these winners, where it's like, like it's just mishmash. Understand that there are more of those lineups in contests. So, like when people when people say, "Well, it's more," it, yes, it the by adding correlation and leverage into your lineups. It increases the probability of, of it increases your variance. So it increases your probability at winning first place. It doesn't mean that like you're guaranteed for, I mean, it just the difference between your lineup and a mishmash lineup is could be a difference of like 5% difference. That's about it. 5%, 7%, something. But would you want a five to 7% better chance of winning? Of course you will. But if you take a look at the lineups that are in the con, download the CSV you'll find like more than half of the lineups in the contest are mishmash lineups or lineups that maybe have a quarterback to wide receiver. And then everything else is just people playing, you know, three wide receivers with no quarterback and they could play, you know, the defenses and running backs against each other, you know, like that's majority of the lineups. So if you take a field size of like 200,000 entries and a hundred thousand of them are uncorrelated messes, and, and just like just mishmash garbage, right? Which is still fine. If you hey, if you could pick all nine slots and hit your nine-legged parlay with all the nine, five, God bless you if you can. But you're not gonna. It's never. It's never the same person. Like people, oh, this this person won with it, yeah. But it's not the. That's the only time they've ever won a GPP because like how do you, you can't replicate that by like oh I'm gonna be able to pick the same nine exact one-offs to get a 270-point score. But you can replicate having correlated and leveraged lineups that increase your win probability and therefore more likely to win, but you're still going up against 200,000 entries. So, I mean, increasing your win equity by 5% is, is still marginal. And you still probably need to win the milli. You're going to need like 50 lifetimes to, to realize that EV. So, but you're going to see in the process of, Oh, winning lineup is is uh, looks like a like a mess of crap, and it's like yeah, well, because more most of the lineups are. I mean, that's 
That's what most of the lineups look like in those contests. But then when you go to smaller field stuff, you go and play in a 200 man, $1,500, $3,000 contest. It's mostly going to be sharper players. And you're more likely to see three plus twos and game stacks and all that type of stuff in there. Why? Because 90% of the lineups are that. So like what you're going to see it are often because that's what the lineup construction is going to be. So I just wanted to highlight that this is what I always say in discord. If you're a premium member, you could catch me in there all the time that it's better to study profitable players than winning lineups. Like don't study the winning lineup of the Millie maker that who knows that, that why did they choose this guy? Well, they, they, they like the color of the shoes. So we, we, we don't know. Right. But you want to look at profitable players and look and see, you know, you want to look at, uh, you know, uh, John squirrel patrol. You want to look at Dave Potts. Jesus is good. You want to take a look at me, Kirk D's, you know, guy going to the $9 slant. And a lot of times, you know, we're putting in a hundred entries, you know, something like that and take a look. How did they build their lineups? Regardless if they won or lost. So you'll, you'll look at that because that's a replicatable process and it's profitable. I mean, you're studying profitable players. Did they win on this current slate? No. But if you, if you had the choice of uh, trading your results with their results, you'd do it every single time, right? On a long-term basis, not on that specific week. But it's like, oh, would you like to have the last five years of my play or your own play? Well, you're going to choose mine. You can probably choose mine. I'm, I'm highly profitable. So don't you want to, that's, that's how you're supposed to study and not worry about like, like, cause that's what I'll get. Cause Stevie, this is what I get like every week or like some garbage lineup wins. And I'm not calling the lineup in and of itself garbage, but like how you, how do you replicate a process where you have to like get all nine one offs right. And, and just, uh, how, how do you do it? You can't like, there's no correlation to that. Like you just have to like, just clever your eyes and just, and I mean, th- there's no skill in doing that. I mean, so to me, there's nothing to learn from it. Like, say you look at the Millie Maker from this week, right? The 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 player that won the Millie Maker this week had one entry, one entry, one million bucks, one entry. Um, but I'm more interested to look at Brandon Adams, who finished third in the Millie Maker this week, because for a long time, Brandon Adams has been profitable, and he makes good lineups. So, like, I'll look at his team, and so he ran a three person Raiders stack car. Rugs and Waller. He finished third in the Millie Maker with Bashard Perryman um, as his. So if he gets any production for Perryman, he he splits the Millie Maker with himself. Um, so I don't know if he ran 150 teams and he just ended up on two of these teams together, but he tied with himself in third place um, with the same team in the Millie Maker, and maybe he doubled it up and like 75 teams, and he ran two of each, but. Um, so Brandon Adams, he gets any production from Perryman, any production from Perryman. He wins a million bucks. Um, I mean, he got production, but he only got three points. But I mean, right. Well, how, he much lost he, by, how much was he down in the Millie? He lost by five points. Oh, so basically if Perryman got another like 30 yards on two catches. Yeah. Even if Perryman puts up like if he puts up eight or nine. Yeah. Like he wins. Yeah. How much, but was, if he, how much was Perryman? Um. Perryman. Herman was cheaper than Mims, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, because I was gonna, I was gonna say like that. That I wouldn't want to like, I wouldn't want to wake up the next day going like, well, I played Perriman over Mims and left two hundred on the table. Like if I would have played Mims, because at least Mims, well, so he Mims scored okay. eight points. Like Mims, Mims got the extra five points. 
He finished 33rd as well with a car, rugs, Waller, Mims team. So there you go. Like, so he was definitely on that Vegas like build. Um, running backs was the difference between the two teams. Um, one had Hines and one had Montgomery. Um, so yeah, it was really close. So the one, the winner of the Millie Maker team had Carr and Waller and Tonyan. Um, Patriots defense, Corey Davis, Robert Woods, uh, Justin Jefferson, Chris Carson, James Robinson. So a little correlation with this team. It's not the worst team I've ever seen win the Millie maker. Uh, Derek Carr and Waller, obviously a combination there. Didn't run it back with any jets, uh, Robinson and Jefferson. That's a little bit of a combo there, but outside of that, like the thing that I do like about looking at this Millie maker team, it has a little bit of correlation, but it doesn't have any one-off like chalk pieces. Um, and I think that's if you're going to build a hosh posh team with a little correlation, not playing one-off chalk pieces is important. Um, even if the they're, one-off they're chalk pieces, mishmash, by the way, mishmash, hosh posh is the same thing. Is, it, uh, is that a, is that a Southern thing? Like hosh posh, like, we I'm throw dinners. To- Are you from? I'm not from the south. I'm from the south. That's what I'm saying. Like we throw dinners together sometimes. We call them hosh posh meals. So I, 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 like hosh posh meals is just whatever you get. Um, so well, no, mishmash no. according to your dictionary is a, a jumble of unrelated or disorganized things. And then you called it what a hosh posh? Hosh posh. Hosh posh. Okay, let's see what a hosh posh. <laughs> oh God, I'm afraid to even know. <laughs> hosh. Well. Hosh posh. There, there's some okay. Urban dictionary, a substitute for whatever a, a expression hey, that whatever. makes reference to nonsensical happenings. What hosh posh is this? You're right. We're on the same page. We no, just but te- technically see. T- technically, you're right. <laughs> Mine works, but you're right. <laughs> right. So, so yours, your, your, yours, yours is like, oh, this is nonsensical. Mine is just like mine is disorganized. They're, they're, they, they're very closely related to each other, but they're technically saying two different things. Yeah, it's funny. Um, the things you guys can learn on the morning grind on Mondays. All right, let's look at um, let's look at some ownership through these tournaments. So we have the play action, the slant, the millie makers, the sweep. Um, I have the spy up as well to give us like a thing. Is, is there anything? I'll, I'll let you go first here. Is there anything that like really stood out to you? Um, Gaskin. Yeah, nobody ran it back. The, the, no, I'm not even talking about running it back. I'm just talking about playing Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin in the, the big Millie was 26% owned. In the slant, he was 22% owned. In the play action, he was 12% owned. Like the lower stakes, like, because Gaskin was like activated on Saturday. And then yeah. Ahmed and all those other running backs, it basically was Gaskin and Laird. And they have, they've showed no inclination of ever really giving Laird much run. So I'm just assuming well, had, that lower stakes players are just led, like they just didn't pay attention, I guess. They had Bowden too, but it, either way, um yeah. Bowden's not really a running back. He's a he's one of those like um super hybrid players. Like he they traded for him earlier this year. Like he'll be involved in the offense next year more, but yeah. Anyway. I mean, but and looking in but looking in those, I mean you could even say like Gaskin, like Boyd got ejected. But I mean, he was only like two percent owned, even though like in the, I'm talking about the big Millie. So like yeah. Gaskin was twenty six percent owned, but Boyd was two, and Higgins was one. 
So, I mean, like I played, I mean, I didn't play a ton of Bengals. They didn't project very well anyway, but I mean, I, I did play a bunch of Boyd and Higgins in Gaskins lineups and the same thing for like, like Gore, Gore with my, you know, Gore or Mims with my Waller. And uh, the thing, the noticeable thing is that like, like I thought if Eckler was going to be owned in the high stakes, I would have been more inclined to play Keenan Allen. I mean, it's not like he had a good game. I mean, the Chargers didn't have a good game to begin with. So I was a little bit surprised to see like, like no one try for that leverage play. And, uh, and literally no one played Chad Hansen. I don't even know if he was even in the player pool, but he got a hundred yards for the Texans and he came out of nowhere. Uh, but yeah, but I, I think one of the, another thing is like T.Y. Hilton, 3%, 4% owned. We have Pittman. Pittman was a little bit more owned. Pittman, 8%, 9% owned. Because to me, those two made the easiest. If you're going to play Cooks, QT, Akins, you know, the Texans, like, why don't you play? I mean, obviously, if you want to go by narrative, you play T.Y. Hilton against the Texans. Because apparently that's a thing. And it turned out to be a thing. He got 28 points. So I was over the field on Hilton and Pittman, but I was, I even made a rule in lineup HQ that my Hilton and uh, Pittman teams were always with QT or Cooks. Like that was the way to get div. Like I didn't see it. I didn't see an instance where the Colts, you know, won without one of the cheaper Texans. I mean, with someone from the Texans gets there. So I just, not many people did that. I don't know if you, you see much of anything else, but I mean, you could say the same thing with the Jaguars wide receivers. I mean, how Chark. Okay. Chark had got some ownership. Okay. So that's, that's not, that's not horrible. Just about that. This is what we, Stevie, this is what we normally look at of yeah. like, who is the chalk and like, how, how are they correlated to other pieces and how few people actually did that? Yeah, I, I saw a lot of Dalvin Cook, James Robinson, and like I honestly, I don't hate that. I don't usually like running backs in the same game, for what it's worth. But I think both of those guys are unique situations, right? We talked about how <clears throat> Dalvin Cook's going to get the touches. Like, there's no question whatsoever. Robinson's the same kind of guy. He's going to get catches. He's going to get touches. He's going to get goal line carries. So like. I didn't hate that correlation. Um, I saw a lot of people run like Thielen and Thielen and Jefferson with Robinson. I think that was a good correlation to get off of Cook. Um, you know, I saw some Kyle Rudolph. Like Kyle Rudolph scored zero points. Whatever. We're looking at how did I get off of Dalvin Cook and build a solid lineup with the team that had the highest implied total. Minnesota had the highest implied total. We talk about Vegas all the time. Um so I, I thought that was super interesting. Gaskin, okay, so I did see a lot of Gaskin without Cincinnati, but I did see a lot of Gaskin with Miami's defense, and I think that was a very fine correlation. Um, you had the money. Like, it wasn't like the money was an issue. Um, the thing that I, I think stood out to me the most this week um, when I was looking through this morning was David Montgomery was massive chalk. I know what you're going to say. I know what the you, Bears I'm defense, right now. the Bears defense was not chalky at all. And everybody played and David Montgomery got there. He scored 27 fantasy points. He was in a great spot. He was one of my favorite plays this week. But where did everybody go? 
where did everybody go? Like a lot of my David Montgomery was with the Bears defense. So it didn't work out for me. Like a lot of my Montgomery was with the Bears defense. I had some Hawkinson mixed in there. Um, Marvin Jones, 20, Marvin, six points. 1% Marvin owned. Jones. How is he 1% owned? If you just, if you just follow the guideline of, all right, I'm playing Montgomery. I need a run back. And you, you would end up on Marvin Jones. Galladay's out. Like, you know, you would have ended up on Marvin Jones. And it's just like, man, what are people doing? Like, it's just, it's crazy, I 20, man. I had 10%. I, if I, I, had, I think I had like Montgomery, 10% too. Right. I mean, like, but we, we say this every week. Like, if I'm going to play a chalk piece in my GPP builds, especially large field, I don't want to play them as one-offs, just by themselves. So that doesn't necessarily mean I have to play them in a stack. So if I look at Brandon Cooks, it's not like, well, I don't want to play him in a one-off. So that means I have to play Watson, Cooks, Cutie. Like, no, no. I can play Cooks with Hilton. Yeah. And Hilton's low ownership at 3% that tied together, I'm fine now. So yep. the same thing with David Montgomery. Oh, David Montgomery's chalk. Like, how, how, do, you know, how do you correlate? Like, just playing with Marvin Jones, playing with TJ Hawkinson. And now yep. most you're going to have... 80% of David Montgomery lineups that are him by himself. But now you're competing with the 20%. If your correlated piece works out, you bypass all of all of those other David Montgomery lineups. So, I mean, that's the biggest way. You have to look at all these places to get correlation and leverage where instead of thinking in terms of this guy's chalk, because you can think of two ways. This guy's chalk, I got to fade him. Like that's too simplistic. Because you're thinking in terms of players and not lineups. Always think in terms of full lineups. So you could play, oh, Dalvin Cook's chalk. I'm going to fade him and play Derrick Henry. Like, I guess you you can do that. But the, the second tier of thinking is Dalvin Cook is chalk. I'm going to play Adam Thielen. Someone that is negatively correlated with the player. Okay, that's fine. Uh, now, now we're moving. Now we're moving somewhere, right? If you're not going to play David Montgomery, you go, well, why don't I play Allen Robinson? Oh, okay. You're playing the negative and correlated piece. I get it. But you could also do the op. You could also do the opposite of how do I play the chalk? And then just like, well, I'll play Marvin Jones with him in that lineup. So now the lineup is contrarian, even with a chalk piece. So never think in terms. This is why I constantly say in discord on Twitter is that it's lineups, not players. So when if you're thinking like oh how do I play Brandon Cooks how do I play how do I play a chalk uh, uh, Devonte Adams like well you can just just pl- playing with Jalen Rieger playing with you know playing with the, an Eagles piece in that lineup and now you're good because you're not you know now you're getting leverage because you're playing like a two percent own guy on the other side and then you can figure out the rest of your lineup from there so it's not just a matter of fade the chalk play the chalk. It's how do you build, how does a lineup with, with a, this piece of chalk look like for this type of contest? If you're playing a 200 person contest, like, do you have to get nuts? You could have played David McGuire. You could like, okay, fine, David Montgomery. I don't have to play Marvin Jones with them. It's only a 200 man contest. I'm going to get a little bit different here and I'm good. But if you're playing a hundred thousand person contest, like I don't want to play, you know, Brandon Cooks is a one-off. David Montgomery is a one-off. I don't want to play these, these, high price guys. So I have to find a way. Oh, if I play a Rivers Hilton stack with Cooks as a run back, that now the lineup has enough leverage and I'm still playing the chalk piece. So always think in terms of lineups, 
and not specific players yep. when, 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 you, when you're playing DFS. And it, this extends to every sport. We're going to get into basketball. Hey, Stevie, you know how often, you know, we've talked about in basketball where, it's, where uh, you know, oh, everyone's playing, you know, someone's out and everyone's playing one team and then no one plays the opposite team against them, right? And then like the game goes over and I'm sitting here going, going, well, I came in fourth place in some GPP with this lineup with two players that are 2% owned across from the chalk team. And I'm wondering yep. why people aren't doing it. Basketball lineups are so uncorrelated. Um, people have caught on, I feel like, football more than basketball. But um, I was looking at my script, and I had 45% Montgomery, 25% Bears, 10% Hawkinson, and 10% Marvin Jones. So um, I know a couple of my hand builds. I built some really like weird stacks that were low-owned where I played Montgomery as one-off. But um, yeah, but I just you, – you look through each and every week, and there's always – there's always something, right? There's always something. And like, uh, it's just, man, if you build high, highly correlated teams, it's like the Cleveland game. Like, what was Jarvis Landry? He was less than, what, 7, 8, 9% owned um, in a game that was going to end Baker Mayfield. Like, a lot of people played the Tennessee side of the game, but like, Baker Mayfield was like 1% owned. And like, he... If you went, if you weren't going to play a lot of Henry, or if you if you were going to play a lot of Henry, you could have easily correlated Henry with Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry. Um, would you? I have think got that's there? what people did, and they got burned because Henry was hard. I mean, Henry. I, I know that. I'm just saying, though. You look at like some of these pieces. Um, I saw a lot of Corey Davis. I think that was good. Um, pivoting off of Henry to Corey Davis is it was a fantastic move. Um, so I, I just you look at Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and. It's crazy. Um, you know, especially when you look at quarterback in general from this week, um, outside of like Derek Carr, but that's the Jets. It's the Jets effect. Like we played Fitzpatrick last week for 5,500 and we did not play enough Derek Carr at 5,700 this week against the same defense. Oh, well, because of the week before it was horrible. <laughs> well, you got to have a short memory in DFS. Well, that, well, that's why I say about the one game sample size. It's just yeah. a matter of like, oh, Eckler has 14 catches last week. Oh, we got to play him. Oh, Carr, the Raiders looked horrible. Can't play him. Well, we all played Darren Waller last week, right? And they're horrible this week because <laughs> he's Darren Waller. He got 200 yards receiving. With no Kelsey on the slate, um, you know, it's just. So, uh, was there anything else that really like stood out to you when you were kind of going through tournaments this week? Um, saw a lot of, um, a lot of Frickster by himself this week. I feel like if you were going to play the cheap chalk tight end, you probably should have paired him with somebody on the Cleveland side. I mean, you're punting a tight end. You're, you, when you're playing cheap tight ends, you're playing for a slate where the tight end position doesn't matter. Essentially where, where like the highest scoring tight end is 14 and if you get nine, you're like, you're fine. Like the, one of those types, it's like, it turned out it wasn't that type of slate. It but, was not. I mean, that, 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 but that is the reasoning behind punting. Like you're, you're punting there. If you get 10 points, like it, it may not matter. Your tight end one on the slate could be low. But when tight end one on the slate is 48 points, like becomes necessary. Yeah. Like I, I get what you're saying on that too. I, I think he wasn't like fully correlated for me either. So, um, you look at tight end as, as a whole, and you're like, man, if Waller doesn't go off, I don't think any other tight end is going to get over 20. Um, especially with like Tua back, we did not expect Tua to go out there and just pepper Gasecki. Um, 
Because it like again, as like a Dolphins fan, he hasn't really done that yet. So it was just it was a weird slate, man. You know, you had Goddard, but you had Ertz come back, and you know, it was just the 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 Philly offense right now looks so awful. Like I played a lot of Miles Sanders, and like thinking back is like, man, that offense is so bad. Why did I play so much Sanders? <laughs> they were playing Jordan Howard. What is going I know? On? What are you doing? <laughs> And and uh, I just got I just saw on Twitter while we're recording the the Jets fired uh, Williams. Yeah, defensive did, did, coordinator. Did, did, did that dude that last play <laughs> that 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 you <sighs> that has to be that had to have been on purpose. Well, yeah, you're right? you're trying to lose, right? You want right, Trevor well, that's Lawrence. That's what I'm saying. Like how yeah. how how with 13 seconds left and no timeouts down, you're up by four, like and they're on the 50 yard line. Like how are you playing cover zero? Like I understand, fine. You want a blitz car, fine. I get. I mean, I, I still think you play prevent no matter what, but maybe you blitz car. But you don't blitz car with no safety. I mean, just like like I think someone even even posted on on Twitter like in the history of like recorded play calls, like that's like the first time in like thirty seven years that that a play of that nature on basically a hail mary play that that was an all it was literal and a literal all out blitz with man coverage. And like, it had to have been done on purpose. I mean, how could it have not been done on purpose? As long as Carr could get the ball in the air, it's a touchdown. Like that's all he needed to do is just not get sacked. And it was, it was. It, I, I'm not complaining or anything. It just like, it just like had because how does those things happen without it being on purpose? I mean, is anyone that stupid? was 100 percent on purpose they weren't bringing williams <laughs> back last year and he he had to take the fall for it today like they they slipped him a yellow envelope with some cash in and said here take the rest of the year off and um thank you for your services <laughs> we're blaming this on you <laughs> but it was really on purpose um i think maybe they would have cared that maybe they, they would have played differently if the jags would have beat the vikings yeah maybe they almost beat him too, but Jags aren't stupid either. Like they don't want Mike Glennon at quarterback next year. So don't, don't, don't you hate American sports where there's no penalty? You actually get rewarded for losing. Oh, why I can't everything it. be like soccer? That's why I like so- soccer. It I, I know it's kind of weird to say in America, soccer, uh, America, American sports are like kind of like kind of socialism, and in Europe. Like soccer is like capitalism to the extreme where it's like, oh, last three teams in the league. Bye bye. You're gone. Like, just you go down. Imagine in the, in the NBA, people tanking at the ends for draft. But like they don't in soccer, that doesn't happen. If you're the last place team, you get moved down to the G League. Imagine that. Imagine uh, the Phoenix Suns. So, OK, you're the last place. You're now in the G League and whoever the top Fort Wayne, you're now in the NBA. Like to me, that's so much better than. This garbage with like, well, if the Jets go 0-16, I guess they're playing in the Arena League. Like, then they're not going to want to go 0-16. Then then we don't reward teams like this. Well, it's just going to be um, like the Thunder this year in basketball. Like, just get ready for it. They're in, they're in, they're already tanking before the season even starts. So, um, all right, we're going to get out of here. It's been fun. Always fun to do the review shows. Um, we'll be back next week, next Monday. You got a lot of stuff coming up for basketball. If you like this type of show, uh, Blender will be doing these shows for basketball. Um, is it going to be as a live show on YouTube? So not a podcast. 
I, I'm assuming yeah. it'll end up on the podcast feed. I have no idea what that, they don't tell me anything. No one ever tells me. Well, anything. You can go on YouTube and watch it later anyway. Yeah, yeah, so of course. Matter. But yeah. I mean, starting in January, I think I think I'm going to do one on, on the opening. So on the 23rd, I'm going to yep. do one, the pregame show that's coming back. If you if you watched it before, we did it before. Uh, and starting in January, it'll be every mo- Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern on YouTube. And it's this type of show. It's a it's a review show of the past slate, but also like half of it is that and half of it is kind of looking at the, the slate coming up that day. But obviously it's NBA. So at 11 in the morning, it may not mean much. So we kind of instead of talking about the plays, we talk about just general strategies. And in, in the YouTube chat, I answer every, anyone's question. So a lot of times some of these pregame shows get into like, well, how do I do this thing and whatever? And I'm like, oh, well, using this slate as an example. And I give like a 15 minute lesson about certain concepts in DFS. So it's not just like slate related, but if you subscribe to the Roto Grinders YouTube channel, uh, it'll be live. You could always tune in 11 in the morning Eastern. That's on the 23rd, I'm doing a show, but then it won't be like a regular thing until the the first, uh, till the new year, till football's over essentially. Yeah. And, you know, we'll have the morning grind back for basketball. Um, we kick it off with Will, first podcast of the year for basketball on the 22nd. Uh, me and Meadsy might do another, like, uh, best ball podcast. We had fun doing that the other day. So you guys can check that out if you're getting ready for basketball. Um, a lot of stuff going on. We'll be back tomorrow talking CSGO eSports. Um, good luck in your contests for Monday Night Football, and we'll see you then.